sponsored by Rode. This week on the Picture Line podcast, we're talking to wildlife photographer Brandon Bright. There's still time to take advantage of huge savings from Nikon and Sony. Both brands are offering bonus cash for trade-ins towards the purchase of brand new full-frame mirrorless cameras like the a7 III and the Z6 and Z7. Check out the full details at pictureline.com or call our store anytime at 801-364-1200. Are you new to photography or want to take it to the next level of mastery? Registration is open for our Get to Know Your Camera classes here at the store every Wednesday and Saturday. Go to pictureline.com and click on classes to get all the info. Coming up at PictureLine, Panasonic's Lumix X-Series full frame is coming, and you have the chance to get your hands on it early. Seats are now open for Panasonic's Touch and Try event featuring the brand new Panasonic Lumix S-Series, the S1 and the S1R. Come get a chance to try out these highly anticipated cameras on March 11th here at PictureLine. You can get the full details at pictureline.com in our events section. On March 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, you can join Sony here in Salt Lake for a full weekend of alpha community activities, including two days of workshops from Sony experts Scott Robert Lim and Manny Ortiz, plus a free community meetup day for Sony shooters and fans. Get all the info and registration information at pictureline.com in our events section. Spots are still open for our lighting workshop with Westcott Pro Ian Spanier. Reserve your seat at pictureline.com. Now on to the show. My guest this week on the Pictureline podcast is a Utah-based photographer named Brandon Bright. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me in. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brandon, tell me what type of photography you specialize in. So I really love to do wildlife photography. I just love being out in nature and, and hanging out with the animals, watching their behaviors, and, and just, just catching that on on a photo mm. You know, is what makes me happy. Yeah. You know? And just grabbing that... <clears throat> that right moment of you know when they're looking at you or they're doing something unique yeah you know just grabbing that moment and being able to to be there to capture that for sure um, and also you know display that to other people and just show you know what it is that I love to do and what it is I love to see mm-hmm. well that and that's a very unique thing I think you know we see you 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 interact with us on on Instagram all the time with picture line and uh, I see all of your stuff and it's just incredible and it's a it's a really unique thing uh, to see how long have you been doing wildlife photography? Well, first off, thank you for for the compliments there. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And PictureLine has been really supportive of, of everything that I've done uh, out there. And I've been doing it probably you know, a little less than a year, the wildlife stuff. Oh, wow, okay. You know, um, <clears throat> I came in here and, you know, Tom out there, one of your uh, amazing staff members mm-hmm. out there, has, has helped me a lot with it. And uh, I was out doing some, some landscape, which is primarily what I was doing before. You know, I really like to do the landscape stuff. But now I can't even touch that anymore i just yeah. love the wildlife but huh. i came in um after i was doing a uh, a sunset and there was you know some rabbits running around and i couldn't capture them with the lens that i had so i came in and and i picked up a 400 uh, okay. for canon mm-hmm. <coughs> and uh ever since i grabbed that 400 it's just been wildlife ever since yeah so that's that's when i started that was probably a little little less than a year ago and then after that you know i've just uh I met a lot of people out in the field and mm-hmm. gained a lot of knowledge and experience and, and met a lot of cool new friends. And, you know, that's, that's really what got me into it. And, yeah. And just hanging out with the animals. Sure. Yeah. That's so cool. What is it about, you said that once you went from landscape to wildlife, you almost couldn't touch landscape anymore. What, what was it that, that made that difficult? So I think it's the interaction with the animals itself. It's more immersive to mm-hmm. me, you know, rather than waiting for the right sunset to happen. Sure. You know, I would rather be watching an animal do its unique thing 
um, <coughs> and just just sit there and observe. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you know you're you're doing landscape and you're waiting for that right moment and it doesn't happen. You're coming back the next day. Mm-hmm. Usually, an animal or you know your subject will do something unique that you can kind of take home that day or something that you can experience that's, that's truly unique rather than a sunset. Or, yeah. You know, or a waterfall or something like that. Sure, that's sure. just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But I, I just really love interacting with the wildlife a lot more. Yeah. Um, have you, is this something you've done primarily in Utah or how far out has this, this taken you? So it started here in Utah, you know, I'd go out to Antelope Island or, you know, I'd go up to the Wasatch Mountains here, you know, up to Silver Lake and and stuff like that and kind of get my feet wet with it, you know, just do the practicing and stuff like that. But since then I've expanded out to, uh, Idaho. I've made a lot of friends in Idaho, gone Mm -hmm. up there and, and captured some really great images. Uh, if you take a look at my IG, you'll see the the great uh, <coughs> great gray owls that I've managed to capture up there. It's actually one of my top bucket lists that I okay. captured from up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wyoming, uh, Wyoming is is absolutely amazing for wildlife. There's a couple areas out there where I've been able to capture mule deer uh, in very unique situations. Uh, but my absolute favorite place that I've uh, come to love, I call it my home away from home. <coughs> my wife is always asking me, you know, when are you going back up to the Tetons? I was like, well, I'm going back up there this weekend. <laughs> like, well, I was just asking because I knew you were going to go back up there. Yeah. Again. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just become a really special place for me. And, you know, I've met a lot of cool uh, wildlife photographers up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've uh, interacted with Tom Mingleson. Uh He's been one of my heroes for quite a time, uh, quite some time. <coughs> uh, met a couple other folks up there that just really, you know, helped me uh, get more situated in with it and just hang out up there. And there's a lot of unique stuff up there as well. It's just, again, my home away from home. Yeah. Uh, Montana <coughs> is another great place. I'm going to explore that a little bit more next year. There's some awesome places up there that I want to capture, um, especially with like bighorn sheep and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, then it's going to expand out to Colorado and then eventually it's going to go worldwide. So cool. Where are some places worldwide that you'd like to go to? So uh, I have a trip planned in March for Alaska for bald eagles, cool. bears, and yeah, stuff like absolutely. that. So I have a unique uh, um, opportunity up there where only a couple people can get into this area a year. Uh, so I have an opportunity to do that, which is really cool. Um, and I would never have been able to do that, you know, if I hadn't been doing, you know, the wildlife photography out meeting the new people and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah. it was an invitation that came to me, uh, which was really awesome. Um, <coughs> Africa. Obviously, I think that's on every wildlife photographer's sure. uh, bucket list, getting out there and getting the lions, the hyenas, you know, all that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, lions have actually always been one of my favorite creatures, so I uh, want to spend a little bit of time with them. Um, <coughs> uh, the Netherlands, a lot of cool okay. a lot of cool places out there. But my favorite subject uh, are moose. Um, okay. I just yeah. absolutely love moose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of those subjects that's such a unique animal, you know, and their, their personalities are... are are really awesome and uh, one of my uh, recent experiences of course I got licked by a moose actually sure. two, two different moose <laughs> um, which to me was um, probably one of the most amazing experiences I've had in my awesome. lifetime um, and since then I've kind of wanted to uh, travel the world to go to the different places that moose um, inhabit mm-hmm. and capture them from the different countries and different regions that they that they uh, live in, especially Alaska, because those guys up there, I mean, those, they're monsters. Yeah. So yeah. what is it about moose that you that you just like so much? I don't know. It's just their unique uh, attitude, their their unique stature. You know, they mm-hmm. have a very unique uh, a physique to them. Uh, their antlers um, really appeal to me. It's just really really cool in the way that they hold themselves and especially after watching them up close just how aware they are of mm-hmm. themselves and their surroundings and you know looking into their eyes that that was probably a very uh, uh, 
not to be redundant, eye-opening experience. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, there's just something about them that's it's a little bit more difficult to explain. I just have a, an affinity for them. I just yeah. really love them. Is that uniqueness something that you try to reflect in your photography? It is. It is. Um, so I've, I've recently uh, uh, come back from the Teton where I did get licked by mm-hmm. the moose. And, and I, I had a really great experience. There's one particular uh, moose up there that everybody loves. His, they call him Shoshone or Shoshone. I don't know okay. uh, which one is the correct pr- uh, pronunciation. But he, he's a giant of a moose. And I actually, after four or five months looking for him, finally found him and got to spend a couple hours with him, you know, wow. with, with just me and my friend. Uh, so <clears throat> very unique experience. Um, yeah, I just just love those guys. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, what are some of the um, challenges that you face in wildlife photography, especially compared to just, you know, landscape photography and things like that? What are some of the things that are unique to that that you have to contend with? Animal behavior. So sure. you want to make sure that you're giving them their space. Um, you don't want to push them. You don't want to, you know, back them up into a corner or anything like that. And uh, obviously there is that danger aspect that, you know, at any given time they can turn on you. Um, I've been charged by a bison. That was probably a bluff charge, but uh, it was scary enough that I dove onto a street and, <laughs> you know, damaged the camera. Oh. Um, but <clears throat> but it's an experience that I take back to heart and something that, you know, that I, I incorporate. But um, weather obviously is mm-hmm. another one. So, um, but in my photography and the way that I like to capture, I like to capture them in unique conditions. Obviously, not always having you know perfect light is always going to be there. But I really like the darker conditions where maybe early morning, later afternoon, or even overcast. Mm-hmm. Um, finding that right unique moment of when the animal or the whatever your subject is coming out, and making sure that the environment is perfect for the shot as well to really truly get what the animal is in their their unique environment. So that's that's really one of the challenges that I've found uh, out there. And obviously, getting to the places. Um, I've already tore off the front of my bumper a little bit, trying to get to one <laughs> little one little unique spot to yeah. get some shots. Um, but to me, it's just collateral damage to get what I truly love. Um, <clears throat> those are those are some of the unique challenges I have. It's it's really just you know finding that location and actually locating the creature or the critter that it is that you want to to photograph. Because a lot of photographers out there, you know, they like to. Uh, keep their location secret, mm-hmm. um, you know, of, of where they're capturing these uh, amazing animals, especially if they're like a large, unique animal. Um, they have a, you know, a special antler or something special about them. So it's just finding, finding those unique animals is one of those other challenges. Yeah. Where do you kind of fall on that, the, the idea? Because this is a conversation that we've had on the podcast before about, you know, our responsibility as photographers, um, where by nature we're sharing these locations, and in your case, these animals, um, do we, is there a certain responsibility that you feel um, or don't feel to um, protect these things or share them? Or, you know, where, where do you kind of fall on that discussion? So if it's, if it's like, say, like a great gray owl, you know, those are, are protected species. They're very rare, uh, very hard to find. Um, I, I won't typically share a location for those if I do find one just so it doesn't get mobbed and it's not because I want to keep them to myself so there's so many people looking for them I don't want the area or the animal or the owl itself to be mobbed Mm -hmm. by a lot of people you know some people don't have quite the respect that others do and they'll you know try to make them uh, do things to fly or something like that they might toss something at it or Mm. or anything like that you know following the ethics so you know those are some of the animals but you know for like mule deer and moose and stuff like that they're pretty easy to find um, typically, if somebody asks me, well, where'd you get that moose? I'm like, Tetons. Yeah. You know? um, 
but the more unique animals, such as the great grays, I haven't found a snowy owl yet. Uh, if I found one, I probably wouldn't show the, share the location sure. with, with too many. Um, just my my uh, inner circle of, of photographer friends that maybe we'll go out there and capture that image. But it's really just more around not getting the animal mobbed. It's not that I want to keep them to myself. It's mm -hmm. just to keep that animal protected from too many people, especially with so social media these days. You know, obviously I post a lot on social media um, <coughs> just to get my images out there. But you know, it, it enables a, a lot of people to be able to see where these animals are and you know maybe they want to get an image of it as well but yeah i just uh want to keep them a little bit more protected than than usual so usually i'll just say uh, tetons yeah you know, i won't give uh, specific just locations general yeah. yeah just general ideas of where people can find them mm -hmm. what are you trying to capture in a wildlife picture is you know is there are you trying to go for a specific behavior or you know what goes into the thinking behind how you set up one of those pictures so it just really depends on the time of year um, for a lot of animals you know and being that this is my first year doing it you know I'm still learning that myself of uh, where I like to fall into that but getting their unique behavior like such as a rut you mm -hmm. know when you know mating season um, comes around uh, getting those unique behaviors of the male posturing with other males to obviously gain the favor of the females that are in the in the in the crowd so getting sure. them fighting um, or doing their phlegm and response which is where they're sending them out to see if they're receptive uh, you know, getting those kind of shots is pretty cool. And setting yourself up for it is just kind of knowing what their behavior is. And, you know, when they start, uh, like if a female does urinate, then usually the male will come up and do a phlegm. And so you just get set up for that shot. Mm -hmm. uh, but my favorite shots are usually, like I was mentioning a little earlier, um, is in those moody, moody areas where <coughs> a moose will retreat into more maybe into the woods um, and be standing back there, um, you know, relaxing or resting or or uh, just browsing through the woods, and I like to get them to, to um, if they do look at me, I don't make any sounds or anything like that to get them to look at me, but if they do, then I, I try to set up myself for that and kind of watch where they're going and kind of think ahead mm -hmm. of what they're doing and, and set yourself up a little further in the field if they're walking in a certain direction. Yeah. You know, that's what I try to do. Well, you mentioned that you, you don't make any sound at them, and then sometimes people will throw something at, a, at an owl or something to, to get it to um, do what they want it to do. Do you... Um, is there any sort of that that you do? Is there a better way to do that? Or do you just kind of let them be and hope for the best? So that's why I use longer lenses uh, for that. So the 400 millimeter, you know, I, I picked that up. Um, and I recently just switched from uh, Canon to Nikon. And I had a 4 and a 6. So I would usually sit at a, at a further distance and I would just observe, you know, and just let them do their thing and wait for that moment to, for them to do something unique that's not uh, uh, triggered by me. Mm -hmm. um, I like to get that. That's what I really like to get the most is, yeah. is something that they do unique that nobody's forcing them to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you talk about, you know, learning these behaviors and, and kind of recognizing when something's about to happen because you see them, you know, doing these certain things. Was this stuff that you were you familiar with animals in that way before you started? Or is this something you've picked up through observation or um, how do you learn that kind of thing? So it wasn't something that I knew before. Um, it was something that I just kind of learned through observation. I'm a big reader, uh, mm -hmm. I, so I'll go up and, uh, to wildlife behavioralists or anything like that or any kind of website that does kind of teach you a little bit about the animals um, and just kind of read uh, about that. I love to read um, about all that kind of stuff. So, and, and it's just kind of incorporating that in. And, and then I'm, uh, I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to sit in front of a TV. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not at home uh, doing my day job, <coughs> I am out in the field. 
Okay. Um, so I, even if I don't get any shots, it's just fun for me to watch what they do. So through that course is kind of how I've learned, you know, what to, what to look for. And I'm still learning it myself. You know, so and I'll talk to other other guys in the field who've been doing it a lot longer than me, who are better than me, and then I'll just kind of learn off of them if they're willing to, you know, tell me uh, what they've come across and how sure. they've experienced things. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that community. You've mentioned they kind of got you into it and helped you along learning things and you know listening to these more experienced people. What you know, talk a little bit more about the role that that community has played. Uh, in your development and, and just your time doing this? So I've met a lot of great friends uh, out there. Doing, in fact, one of my best shooting friends I met on Antelope Island just one day after I've actually picked up the 400 millimeter and mm-hmm. I just started talking to him about it. And, and from there, it's, you know, I, I went to a couple places he mentioned, met a couple more people out there. And it's just really a great community out there when you come across the folks who um, are willing to share or they're friendly. You know, there's a couple couple out there that, you know, they'll, they'll be a little bit more protective over themselves or, or uh, a little bit more aggressive mm. uh, with their techniques and their and their attitudes, but um, for the most part, it's just a really great community. You get out there. You know, I was out in the Tetons um, <coughs> uh, this last weekend, and actually, it was when the, the moose licked me. Uh, the uh, they were starting to come around my car, and a random guy just jumped in my car. You know, he didn't want to be out there with the moose sure. walking around the car, um, and uh, it was kind of funny because I said, "Hey, you know, my name's Brandon." He goes. Brandon Bright? I said, yeah, yeah, that's me. He's like, dude, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that's, that's, awesome. that's really cool, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's awesome. And it turns out later on I called one of my other friends that I met up in Idaho. Um, and I said, dude, you'll never guess what happened. And he goes, dude, you didn't need your 400 millimeter for that one, huh? I saw that moose come <laughs> right in your car. I was like, what? How, how did you see that video? And he, he's just like, I don't know. So I thought Brian sent it to me. I was like, no, no. No, no, he didn't send it to you. I didn't send you the video. Turns out the guy who jumped in my car works with his son and is good friends with him. So that's how he found that. Oh, that's, that's funny. That's how he found that video. It's just yeah. a small world, you know. It's, yeah. And it's just that kind of stuff that gets me out there a little bit more. It's not necessarily just being out there with wildlife. It's it's being out there with, with other people who have the like-minded interest as mm-hmm. well. Well, cool. Um, what is some advice that you would give to someone who, who wants to make that leap from maybe from another style of photography into wildlife or just not really knowing photography at all and not being familiar with it in that way into wildlife photography? How would you kind of guide them? uh, Learn your camera, obviously. Um, If they're they're coming from another uh, style of photography, it's uh, learn animal behavior, you know, Mm -hmm. learn where to go. Um, Don't use small lenses. Don't try to approach the animals to to get a good shot of them. Um, the closer you are to the animal, obviously, the better the photo is going to end up. But obviously, there's a space that you want to keep in between there. So that's where your, your gear and equipment comes in. Um, <clears throat> and it's just starting with something maybe like a, you know, like a Nikon, you know, D500 or, you know, the 200 to 500 lens, which is a pretty common uh, configuration out there mm-hmm. for people to be shooting. And uh, just get something that gives you that distance between the animal and you. Uh, do some reading, do some research on the animal or your subject that you are most interested in. Mm. Um, learn their behaviors and, and where they're commonly found, um, and just go from there. You know, from there it just kind of expands out, and you, your your likes and your interests start expanding out, and you start meeting the other people who who have that experience as well. And just talk to the other people in the field, be respectful of them, mm. um, and just just learn from the other other people out there in the field because it's a great community. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the D500. First of all, what do you shoot on? So I, I shoot on two D850s and a, and a Nikon D5. Okay. Um, I'm a prime 
shooter, so I, I, I tend to have a couple different bodies with a couple different lenses on mm -hmm. them just for different situations because I've just never really gotten into the zoom lens. Mm -hmm. um, I like the, the look and the feel and just how a, a prime uniquely renders an image. Sure. So I'll shoot with the two D850s and the D5. The D850s, I usually have my longer lenses on. Um, with the D5 is more for my birds in flight okay. if I'm doing that. <coughs> um, but I also have... Uh, 400 millimeter for the uh, the Nikon. I have you know 105s. I have I have the 200 to 500. I shoot it uh, every now and then, but not not as often as I shoot my 400. My 400 I think is is probably my favorite lens out there because it gives you the right distance uh, from usually the critters that I like to to photograph, um, and it gives me just that unique feel that I like to see in an image. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'll probably be buried with that lens. You know? <laughs> um, I've already the size of that lens, you might need an extra big coffin for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a big it's, old lens. Yeah, it's a pretty big lens. In fact, uh, Tom out there, um, before we came into the, the interview here, we just put my 600. Uh, oh, cool. <clears throat> so that one will be coming in soon, but um, it's just the, the 400 has, has been my go-to mm -hmm. for that, and especially on the D850. Uh, I mentioned a little earlier that I did switch from Canon to Nikon. And I had the four and the six on on that side of the house, and I've been missing my six, so I finally just yeah, just bring it in. Yeah. Um, <coughs> what led the switch from Canon to Nikon? So it was the D850, okay. really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really what made my my switch to it. You know, the Canon gear is, is amazing gear. It's awesome gear. Um, if that D850 hadn't have shown up, you know, and somebody didn't let me shoot, I'd probably still be shooting Canon. Yeah. Was it the megapixel count or what? what? Yeah, it's it's not really the megapixel, megapixel count. It's just how it renders okay. an image. Uh, megapixels to me is is a little bit less than what I would find in, like, autofocus mm. um, or versatility within a camera body. Um, the megapixels, obviously, is, is pretty cool if you want to do some, some uh, heavier cropping sure. in an image. Um, <coughs> but uh, the lack of an uh, anti-alias filter in the body was an extreme attraction to me just because I can get sharper images mm -hmm. uh, that way without that. I couldn't find a Canon body that didn't have an anti-alias filter. Um, <coughs> the colors, um, I liken the Nikon a little bit more for wildlife. It renders them a little bit differently than what you would see in a Nikon. The color science is a little bit better for wildlife. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Canon, I liked the color science more for uh, landscape, <coughs> the way yeah. that they, they rendered colors. Yeah, so that, that's really my primary switch from there. And the other one was the Nikon 400 millimeter. Um, mm -hmm. Just ju that lens. Just that lens itself is what uh, uh, made me switch. After you know doing a couple of shoots with it and seeing what the image looked like on the back of that camera body, I was like, yeah. Tom, <laughs> bring in my DA50, bring in the, the 400s. Yeah. Uh, we got to get that going. Um, <coughs> do you use any – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go for it. Well, do you use any kinds of um, filters? Um, no, so I will shoot with a, a polarizer every mm -hmm. now and then. One of my favorite shots, I shot with a polarizer just to get a little bit different, unique feel. Um, like I said, I like to kind of do a little bit darker moods mm -hmm. in my in my photography, especially with my wildlife. Um, and the, the polarizer in that specific uh, scenario was perfect for it because it did uh, kill a lot of the glare that was out there and kind of rendered the colors a little bit differently. I didn't um, change the white balance at all. I just mm. like the way that the image came out of the camera at that time. So that, that's really the only filter that I will um, throw on my camera. Yeah. But I will use uh, you know, your standard UV stuff um, on the camera. Right. Uh, is there any other, other pieces of equipment that you recommend or that you can't kind of live without, or does that kind of cover it? So that, that kind of covers a lot of that. You know, I, I have my bags, obviously. Mm. Um, I, use, uh, I use a couple straps. Um, the Black Rapid uh, dual strap that I got uh, from here at Picture mm -hmm. Line, um, just to carry a couple of the bodies. 
Um, my tripod, obviously, I, I carry a Gitzo tripod around that uh, obviously I got from here as well. Yeah. Um, <coughs> just to carry stuff around. But actually, in the recent uh, month, I haven't uh, been shooting tripod. Uh, I've actually been hand-holding that 400 uh, for the most <laughs> part um, just to kind of get a more unique angles because the sure. tripod does kind of limit you a little limits bit. you a little bit in terms of composition and how you can capture an animal i like to get a little lower when i'm trying to capture an animal just kind of get more eye level or a little looking up at them just to kind of make it a little bit more grandiose you know, yeah make it look more larger than life mm-hmm. when sure. you're looking at it yeah so you get a little bit of a workout from that just yeah, that upper yeah. body and stuff yeah. well i used to be a pretty big gym rat and i kind of fell out of that for a while but now uh, you know well, that's why you're using these big <laughs> lenses to make up for some of that yeah i carry around that, that big 400 you know it's like i think my, my left arm because i do hold it up with the left right arm, and the biceps gotten bigger than my right arm it's kind of funny probably well, a lot of other jokes you can say around that too well that's right <laughs> uh, well brandon where can people find uh some of your photography so i'm i'm out there on ig um, that's one of my, my most popular uh, places to post. So that's just uh, at Brandon underscore bright underscore photography. Um, I also do have a website where, you know, I do have some prints up for sale. Um, obviously, that would uh, be uh, a really cool thing, you know, just to support my hobby a little bit more. But for sure. I think the most thing that I would love out of is just people enjoying my art. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> so that's just uh, www.brandon-bright or brandon-bright.com. Cool. So thanks. All right. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate having you. No, thank you for having me in. And uh, again, Picture Line has been uh, really supportive in in this uh, pursuit that I've uh, come to find as a, an extreme passion now, as my wife puts it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you guys have been uh, totally supportive of it. And, and everything that I ever use or anything like that, is, it just always comes from you guys. Because I do like to support uh, brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't order from the other big places that you sure. find on the Internet just because I do like to support the local shops. And just for this reason as well, you know, I get to uh, have this amazing uh, interview with, with Picture Line and, and yeah. Jacob. So Absolutely. You know, that, that's, that's the exact reason why. Well, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brandon. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Thanks to Brandon for sitting down with us. You can get more info on him, his work, and his gear in our show notes. The Picture Line podcast is a production of Picture Line. Picture Line is located at 305 West, 700 South in Salt Lake City, and is your source for photography equipment, education, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review in iTunes, as that is the best way for us to continue to grow. See you next week.